Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is a Shares for Beginners quick tip. Essential lessons, questions answered. Steve Johnson is the Chief Investment Officer of Forager Funds Management. In this quick tip, he's talking about narrowing your investment universe, the difference between open and closed-ended funds, and looking for the best time to be a contrarian. There's a time and a place for being aggressively contrarian and aggressively looking through the tip, and there are other times when most of the stuff in the tip is just rubbish and you don't want to be there looking for things. So I've become, I guess, a bit more balanced in my approach over time. I would say we're all about finding unappreciated value. The term value investing has a lot of connotations now with very cheap stocks that are just low PE ratios. So I've tried to explain that with a bit more clarity around we're looking for unappreciated value. And sometimes that can be growth. Sometimes it can be a management team. Sometimes it can just be something that is is completely unignored. But we are effectively looking for that in every single stock that we're adding to our portfolio. And it's, it is quite different to what a lot of other people do. I think when you, you see a lot of fund managers, they've got a checklist of, of 20 things that they're looking for in their ideal company, and they do that very, very well. They're looking for the management team and the balance sheet and the growth opportunities, and if it doesn't tick these 20 boxes, then I'm not going to buy the stock. And at the end of that process, I try and value it, and then I try and find the ones within that cohort that are, that are trading at an attractive price for some reason or another. We actively go looking for the distress first. So before we worry about whether it ticks all of the boxes, we try and find stocks that might be cheap for some reason. There's a reason why someone else is selling you this stock for a low price. So we actively go and seek out market dislocation or different types of opportunities that we have seen work in the past. And that typically fits into either a psychological malfunction so that people are doing things en masse for a particular reason and we think that is wrong or some informational edge where we think we understand a business better than the rest of the market understands it. So we start with why it might be cheap and then we do all of the work rather than doing all of the work and then trying to wait for the market to give us those opportunities. So you mentioned before that you're not as much of a contrarian as you used to be but that does sound a little bit of a contrarian way of thinking. I'm absolutely as much of a contrarian as I used to be. I've just learned that there is a time and a place for it and a time and a place when you get very, very handsomely rewarded for it. And there are other times when the market is doing a mostly good job of valuing most of the stocks out there, and that is a time to be patient. I think some of the things that I have got wrong in the past were being aggressively contrarian just for the sake of it rather than trying to recognise the, the times in the market where that aggressively contrarian approach is is likely to pay off and then being aggressively contrarian. And, you know, that only needs to be once every four or five years for you to add extraordinary amounts of value like we've seen over the past 12 months. Our funds have had exceptional returns out of out of the March 2020 sell-off and, you know, the subsequent six months when things were still very, very cheap for a long period of time. We made enough money out of that to give us outperformance for five years. So 
I think the lesson has not been to not be contrarian. It's been to wait for the opportunity set to be right. Yeah, because being contrarian can be a bit of a, a macho game, can't it be? You know, like you've got a view of yourself as being a, a macho man, just um, holding their hand up against the tide and standing up firm against everyone else in the market. It doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, and you tend to like being different, right? Psychologically, I think if you're going to be that type of person that's always a bit sceptical about the world and always questioning what the crowd is doing, you're naturally wired to want to be apart from that crowd. And I think you see that in a lot of other aspects of people's lives who are good at being contrarian. I think it's all just about recognising that in financial markets, there is a time when that works and there are other times when the market and the crowd is actually getting things pretty right. It's interesting. I just wanted to refer back to what you were saying about being a closed-end fund. This is something I've just been finding out a little bit about myself over the last couple of months. The difference between an ETF, which is an open-ended fund, and a fund that's closed. If you could just talk to us a little bit about what the difference is and also what it means in the ability to pick up opportunities when the markets do reverse. Because as we know, ETFs being open-ended, the market goes down, so does the ETF. Well, I think you need to separate where it is traded from the type of vehicle that it is. So the fact that something is exchange-traded just means you can buy and sell the units on the stock exchange. That doesn't necessarily mean it's closed-ended or open-ended. You can have both of those structures as a listed vehicle. The closed-ended and open-ended means, well, what happens when you buy or sell units in our fund? For a closed-ended vehicle, there are a fixed number of units on issue, and if you want to buy or sell them, you're buying and selling them to or from someone else. So that almost always needs to happen on an exchange, but there are also exchange-traded funds where when you buy and sell the units, the underlying fund manager is actually issuing more units or taking them back and cancelling them and giving you your money as part of that. So the great thing about an open-ended fund is you can get your money back whenever you feel like it and you will get whatever the underlying value of those shares is at that point in time, you know, plus or minus a, usually a pretty small buy-sell spread. So that's the positive side of it. The negative side of that open-ended fund is if everyone is doing that redemption at the same point in time, the fund manager is then having to sell all of the stocks that they own to meet those redemptions and it becomes a very vicious circle. And now, particularly in the value investing space, we saw a lot of that over the past five years. A number of our value investing funds here in Australia, the business actually got that many redemptions that they went out of business and they had to sell everything that they own. That puts more pressure on the stock prices that were already going down and then the, the investors get even more upset because the unit price is down further and you get this cycle of redemption, bad performance that leads to everyone ending up with a much worse outcome. So there's pros and cons. The alternate structure is a closed-ended fund where you say, well, we're not going to issue any more units. We're not going to grow this fund anymore in terms of people putting money in and us issuing more units to them. But we're also not going to have redemptions. So nobody can get their money back from us. They can sell their units to someone else. As you can see at the moment, you have to take a discount from the underlying value to sell those units to someone else. So that's a, a negative for investors in the fund. The positive is that we're not worried about redemptions in times of market distress. And we've been able to grow that net asset value, in my opinion, by much more than the discount that they currently trade at. And we think it's the right sort of structure for us. And if we keep delivering the returns over time, then hopefully, you know, those units trade at a much fairer price as well. But 
for our investment style and our structure and for a fund that we don't want to grow too much more because because of capacity constraints, i.e. it gets too big for us to invest in the types of stocks we want to invest in, we think that closed-ended structure is a much better one. And I actually think that the whole listed investment company, listed investment trust space, it's been under a lot of pressure over the past 12 months. A lot of the vehicles are trading at discounts. I do think people are forgetting about some of the benefits of this structure for long-term returns. You know, if you want to own Amazon and Microsoft and Apple, there are plenty of fund managers already doing that and there are plenty of ETFs that will do it for you at a very small, very, very small management fees. And I think those products are great. You will not get one criticism from me of people having a lot of index funds in their portfolio. I think you can now get market exposure for next to nothing. Our job is to be that little bit of your portfolio where you're getting something different and where we're out there finding some really interesting underappreciated ideas to put into our fund that then are a small part of your portfolio. We have a senior analyst, Chloe Stokes, who works for us, who's in her early 30s. And when she started working coming up to four years ago now for Forager, she'd come from an accounting firm and she really wanted to get into funds management as an industry and she was completely overwhelmed by the number of stocks that are out there. And I just said to her, tell me what you're interested in. What do you do on the weekends? And she said, well, fashion and beauty and travel. I said, great, let's start there. <laughs> let's narrow the universe down to stocks that you are interested in as a starting point. And the great thing about global markets is that can still be a universe that's got 200 or 300 stocks in it. So you know, here in Australia, if you take out mining and say you don't necessarily have an edge with that. And then for us, if we take out all of the companies that are less than a couple of hundred million market cap because they're too small for us to invest in, you're down to 300 stocks pretty quickly. And that's across a whole bunch of different sectors. Chloe's been able to really narrow her focus down to stuff that she loves researching and is interested in. And she's still got a nice big universe. So I do think that's one of the great things about international. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.